There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome in to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan. And in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios today, Gangster Pete is on the ones and twos. G-Unit is standing by. G-Unit, hello again, everybody. Hello. And producer Joe is on the Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies phone lines. Hello, producer Joe. Oh, just go ahead and fade me this week, kids. All right, and but 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 outside of the three of us and Gangster Pete on the ones and twos, who you've heard throughout the course of this college football and NFL season, uh, the man who really made the Pick Six podcast destination listening every week for gamblers, and I know because a number of people have not only emailed me about it, but actually have run into people and have told me in person how much money this person has made them. It is a very special guest and a privilege to have the man of the Pick 6 podcast with us for his first appearance. Ladies and gentlemen, live from an undisclosed location in the upper Midwest, it is the weatherman. Wow, wow, wow. Listen to this crowd. Gentlemen, I love you, weatherman. I love you. In, in, yeah, well, I, I'm glad I could do whatever <laughs> role it was to at least make your uh, – because I'm sure everybody here has been filing their taxes on their gambling wins to get right. this in time for April 15th. So I'm That's glad great. I could help out the bottom line a little bit. So honored to be part of it. It has been fun to kind of watch this whole thing go to fruition and follow some of it on the page and whatnot. So thanks for having me, guys. Well, it has been our pleasure. Uh, and, and, and to give some background on how this all came to pass – um, we started doing the podcast, and if I'm not, well, I, I can pull up the records here. I, I think I actually started out decently, but I always feel like in week one it's just a guest festival. Now, maybe, uh, Weatherman, you feel differently on that, but I think I started out differently. I'm pulling up the spreadsheet as we speak. Yeah, I went 4-1. Uh, and one. Yeah, that's super random. G-Unit, you went 1-5, and five, and Producer Joe went 5-1. and one. And then you try to get a bearing for what teams are, and the Weatherman... Uh, started sending me some picks, and I realized this guy was winning a number of games uh, and losing very few. And so uh, I don't know what week it was I started doing it, but maybe week four or five, I'm just like, I'm taking his picks and I'm running with his picks. And he went on an absolute heater. Um, and, and Gangster Pete, you have the numbers in front of you. Um, what What is our record as we head into uh, this final game of the year? For the season at 68 and 41 at a 62% clip. Wow. And that's with losing all four of our last four picks, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? I've only got the last two on here. Okay. Yes. I think we were 0-2 the week before, uh, and I and I guess we were 0-2 this, uh, this past week, and still at 62%. So that's incredible. And I'm looking forward to kind of getting some um, thought process that the weatherman uses for his wagers and then also his Super Bowl plays as well meanwhile there was another bet placed for the silver medal since 
uh, I slash really the weatherman won this thing a few weeks ago with producer Joe and G unit. And it sounds like that has been determined and there's so there will be no competition this weekend. Uh, what has happened here, Gangster Pete? Uh, G unit pulled away at the end. Uh, Joe had a pretty big collapse. He ended up 53 and 58 on the season while uh, G unit is 53 and 55. G Unit, you called your shot. You said you were going to finish second in this thing, and you had producer Joe in your sights, and that was at a time where producer Joe and I were really kind of battling. Yeah, it's 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 a bit disappointing the way it happened, though, because it was more of a Joe collapse than a Unit step up, right? And but I I really wanted to finish fifty percent, which. I was going to do had we not had the highest scoring fourth quarter in the history of football in that Patriots game. But is that what got? That's what got you. I went one and one. Yeah, so that got that. the weatherman too. Oh, we were on the yeah, we were on the end of the Chiefs uh, Patriots. I game. mean, it sucks when you caught you, you. The game goes exactly how how you thought it was going to go, and then you know explosion at the end. I never could have foreseen the Patriots shutting them out at home for the first half. Producer Joe, uh, what is what is your autopsy on what was an incredibly strong start uh, and then just a really disappointing final, like, five or six weeks? Uh, the end of college football season. Is yeah, really yeah. That's understandable. Even though you are high on soccer plays, have you been hitting your soccer plays? I, I haven't been monitoring it closely. Uh, I went 0-1-1, what, two weeks ago. I won on the over of Manchester United Burnley yesterday. Uh but, yeah, soccer games are still good for me. Uh, I made a couple of wagers over the weekend. Just some guy I kind of the time and, well, felt frisky, so hit those. But soccer plays, uh, if I could find some form of discipline in my life uh, and only wager on <laughs> soccer, I'd be all right. Yeah, that's what I say about poker players. If they could just <laughs> focus on poker, they would be gold. But they wind up degening on other crap, and that's what that's what winds up getting them. So, for the most part, I would imagine in our careers with regard to sports gambling, and I could be wrong on this, um, I, I, I'm certainly, I've, I've got to be a, a losing player. Um, I haven't made a payment to a, to a bookmaker uh, in a couple of years uh, and, and made some money this year, but I don't bet as much as I think uh, producer Joe or G-Unit does, and I, th- I assume it would be fair to say that you guys overall in your lives are in the red numbers betting on sports, I, I, but maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. Crickets. Uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I had I had like a, a three week stretch this year that was really 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 good that kind of coincided with the pick five, but I think for the year I'm up, but only barely because of that three week stretch. But as a lifetime, absolutely not. And that's why what the weatherman did was so impressive because I always talk about and Joe you did for real last year for as much as we'll give you shit on picking favorites or I'll give you shit on picking favorites and overs you had a big year last year I don't know what the final percentage was it it was substantially uh above uh 50 percent I know that and I know I had a horrible year so you won last year um but we always talk about that 55 percent number being like a a great goal so for us to pick as many games as we picked and for the weatherman to go 62%, that's something that if we were doing this like on a national show, it would get attention. So weatherman, you've also told me, and our communication up until now has only been on email, 
that it's not like this is something that you do year in, year out. This is an outlier year for you. But what I'm curious about, and, and G-Unit and uh, Prod Joe I'm sure curious about too, is what information and what process you used to have the success that you had in 2018-2019. Well, some background. I've been doing this since 1986 when I was 11. I was writing programs on the old basic computer you know, language where you could input certain teams and certain colleges or whatnot, especially for college football. And I started out pretty well doing this, but mostly I've just been floating around 50%. But then last year, I hit about 56, and then this year we're at about 62. And we had real tears here on this, Tim. We went like 34 and 11 for a stretch and 45 yeah. and 14. And I, th- that'll probably never happen again. But I think now in our podcast world, there's so many sources of information where if you really consume this stuff and really just focus in on certain areas where – you know, I don't try to pick the CBS 230 game. I don't try to pick the, the Herb Street Fowler game. I'll try to pick other things where I see value. And, and that served me very, very well. And I'm not always going to get a lot of information necessarily on this, but the information is so clear it's out there. You just have to look through some of the box scores, or I'll see 37 different games on TV. You're probably wondering why I was picking all those Wyoming games this year. Well, most of those games are on the Altitude Network out of Denver, so you can actually watch the games. It's like in the high 400s on my satellite. And once you see it, you can actually see if a team is good, if they're well-coached or whatnot. And, like, another example I have was for this year for Colorado. Now, they started out 5-0. and Everybody was on them. I went against them. Now, you didn't take this pick, but I said, yeah, take USC minus 7 or whatever it was. And so USC wound up covering. But then the next week, I said, come on back over and I'll take Colorado plus 15 against Washington. Now, they barely covered. But what I saw during the game was that Colorado had such – they were so poorly coached. They had such terrible body language at the end of the game. Even though they covered, I'm like, I'm fading those guys for the rest of the year. And then every game, they didn't cover until the last one when they covered by a half point against Cal, which I'm still a little bitter about. But, you know, I got that Wyoming Air Force game, so it all evens out. But what you have to do, though, is you take all of – all the information, at least I did this year. And G-Unit, a question for you. I think the two of us might have been working off some of the same podcasts, just in some of the strategies and some of the ideas that are out there. I, you and, know, I was going to ask you that same question. If uh, if you're an R.J. Yeah. Bell fan, Fezzik, yeah. those guys? Yeah, absolutely. Now, the Dream Preview, which is for the guys in pregame, and I've met up with those guys before to kind of see how they do it because I respect – a lot of their their knowledge now i don't blindly take them but a lot of times i will take the information now there are some times where i'll break from it like there was a texas hosting iowa state game that was later mm-hmm. on in the season yeah. a lot of them were on iowa state and i'm like you're not going in there and covering two and a half points at austin in a night game or there'll be other times where like bowl season miami wisconsin pinstripe bowl i was very much on miami everybody was on wisconsin now, I didn't flip to Wisconsin, but I just made it a path because I just didn't like the number or whatnot. So a lot of times it will actually get me off of a game maybe if I've been on, and that might happen a lot. I view it the exact same way, and I, I think they're hugely uh, entertaining, and, and it's such a great source of information, just, just all different angles. And so you just get to gather the information, and then you get to pick you know, which one you, you believe most. And, but there are also other places where I think you have to look out for it. And for you guys and for everybody who's listening to this, you have to realize who is an actual sports gambler and a handicapper and who's just an entertainer. Like Jason McIntyre, I think he's just an entertainer. You know, he's out there. He's got a weekly podcast. 
Uh, the guys in CBS are actually pretty good. But then anyone who's familiar with, like, VEASAN, Vegas Sports Information, that's Brent Musburger's network, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys are just entertainers. And also remember, a casino is the reason that they're on. You know, the, the South Point built a million-dollar studio for these guys to broadcast. And their job is to get more people in the casino. They kind of make it seem like it's really easy to hit 55%, and they don't. The guys at pregame will tell you it's not easy to hit this. So, you know, if you'll hear, you hear like Michael Lombardi, for example, on the weekends on VEASAN, he's very knowledgeable about football. I wouldn't walk across the street to, to, to play any of his plays, though, because it's an entirely different skill set. So you have to be careful. A lot of people can talk. And, you know, we used to see this 30 years ago with the guys who were on Saturday mornings, Mike Warren and the Gold Sheet guys. You know, there are some guys who, who out there who don't know what they're talking about and other guys who do. You have to figure out who's got the best knowledge. That's what I try to go with. Uh, Weatherman, uh, what, 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 what was your record like, for example, in 2016-2017 and 2017-2018? Were you, were you trending up with this information, or did you yes. have a couple of bad years and then this year came out of nowhere? I, I've always been floating around 50 52%, it seems like. But then last year, once the podcast started becoming more and more ready or, or readily available, I hit 56 last year, and then this year we got up into the 60s. Where, and again, this year's an aberration. But I think that I see some methods out there for some things that I that I can definitely follow. Like I've talked about, try to find a handful of programs that are not terribly glamorous. Like this year, Wyoming and Colorado. I think the two of us went something like nine and one on their games. Yeah, that, those were big. Yeah, Arkansas. Which yes, they 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 were terrible at Mississippi State, but I think we we won all the other games that Arkansas was involved in. Uh, but like on the flip side, like Mississippi State, I think I went 0-4 picking their games. I, I, I just I could not get a, a handle on them at all. But what you can do, though, is when, when you're looking at some of the trends with a lot of these teams, you have to figure out, you know, who's got the value. Or you can look at some of the coaching maneuvers. I tend to look at the last three games, especially the later on you get in the season, because if somebody gets blown out the first couple weeks, you're still going to see some of that even on week 9 or 10. If they get blown out on national TV – like on, on the first week of the season, that's still going to linger in the spread. And you have to find the spot where, where, where that kind of overtakes whatever the public opinion is. I, I want to ask you this question because I feel like it would be speaking to a large percentage of the audience who listens to the yeah. Pick 6 podcast. What are some of the mistakes you see the casual yet losing sports gambler make? Oh, you mean the stuff that I did until like two years ago? Yeah, sure. I can, I can take it back to all that. A lot of overs. You know, I, I take a lot of like name brand favorites, or I would. A lot of times I just don't touch them anymore. And I found a lot more success taking unders and taking underdogs. And it, it, but, it's, but you have to find the value in them. You have to figure out where the spots are more than anything else. The past does not always equal whatever the immediate future is going to be for the next week. Just because somebody played great, and you guys talked a lot about this, just because they were – great in week A doesn't mean that they're going to come out with that same performance in week B, especially especially in college football. Now, one thing I've always seen when I look through like the Phil Steele uh, magazines every every July when they come out is I've never seen a team go 0-12, and I've never seen a team go 12-0 against the spread. The 7 Kansas Jayhawks came very, very close to doing this. Uh, but for the most part, there's always going to be, be the variance. Now, let me give you one thing to look for here for next year for everybody. For week one, I'm going to look heavy on a lot of these teams where there's first-year coaches of what I call prestige programs. Kansas State, Georgia Tech, Colorado, Maryland, Louisville, 
North Carolina, Texas Tech. I know Kansas has been awful, but I'm even going to count them in this as well. Because they've got new coaches. Like Georgia Tech's going to have a new system. They're going to get rid of the wishbone. They're going to be terrible probably in week one, in, even if it's baked into the line. But then what you're going to do is look to see what happens in week two. If they're awful in week one, they're probably going to bounce back in week two. Likewise, if they're terrible early, they're going to be a lot better late, especially if they've got a decent coach. Like UCLA is a prime example of this with Chip Kelly. I thought that they were going to come out and not just not cover 15 points against Cincinnati. I thought that they were going to probably lose the game outright. They did lose the game outright. But later in the year, UCLA, they beat the tar out of Cal. They played well against USC, where that is when you get the value. So keep an eye out for the first-year coaches. And also keep an eye out for experienced quarterbacks who are returning with lots of starters. Play those guys early. But then as the season goes on, the lines will adjust. Weatherman, for for people who are looking at the Super Bowl, I'm certain there will be a large number of Patriots bets placed in the St. Louis metropolitan area because people (laughs) uh, go with their heart, and I I certainly do that quite often myself. From my standpoint, I want to see the Rams lose. I don't want to get doubly hit that if they were to win uh, and then I were to bet on the Patriots then I get hit with being financially hurt and emotionally stung. So I'll just be watching it with no wager. But uh, you were emailing me that there were a couple of prop bets you like. So for the purpose of our pick, I'm curious where you are. Pete, is the number at two and a half at this point? Yes, sir. Yep. Two and a half, and what's the total? 56 and a half. 56 and a half. Okay, Weatherman, let's let's hit those and then uh, the prop bets that you would like, and then we'll get out of the way and let at Prod Joe and uh, G-Unit give their knowledge. Well, thanks again for giving me the podium on this one. And I hate to play this down the middle. I don't like either side in this. If, I, if I'm if i edging towards the Patriots, I take them now at two and a half. If I like the Rams, I'm going to wait till kickoff to see if it goes up to three. Uh, right now, if I had to lean, I would take the Rams even at two and a half, but it's not a strong lean. If you like, I almost call them St. Louis Rams. Sorry, guys. But if you like the Rams, yeah, I would wait to see as long as you can, even if you've got to pay some of the juice. Uh, the first quarter under especially in Patriots Super Bowls. It's a cliched play, but I love it. It's 10.5 right now, even at minus 135. And, again, that's, that's a lot of juice to, to, to lay off. But I like the 10.5. I think both teams are going to play it slow, kind of feel each other out. But then on the third quarter, I love the third quarter over 10.5. It's minus 105 right now. I think you get good value on this. The best prop that I like, though, Patriots with more first downs than the Rams. It's minus 110 because they don't have a deep threat. And Brady's not going to chuck the ball 45 yards. They're just going to go Edelman, Weiss, six yards here, 10 yards there. I think they'll rack up more first downs. I like as that. For the total, as for the total, I don't have a great feel on it. I, I've, and, you know, sometimes, you know, when you can sense that you're a little bit off, and as we've gotten later on these playoff games, I had a very good wild card round, but the divisional round was just a quagmire for me. I, I don't – I'm not seeing it great yet. I still need to gather a little bit more information before I come up with, like, a final play for And it, it might not even hit until about Friday because I'm, I'm waiting for an angle to kind of pop itself out, and it really hasn't yet. So you are on, for the record, uh, the under in the first half, correct? Under in the first quarter, 10.5, 10.5 points. Under in the first quarter, and then on the third quarter? The over, yes, absolutely. And then and the one that you think is the best play is the Patriots with more first downs than the Rams. Yes, I absolutely love that one. And I'll be curious to see how the in-game betting is going to work on this game, too, between the lines. Because, Tim, you and I talked about this during bowl season. I think that's the only way to play bowl games. 
So I think all of the listeners pay attention to this for next year. If you can be in a place where you can do this, do it. Weatherman, yeah, what do you think? Oh, I'm sorry, Tim. No, that's fine. I was just going to, yeah. to say that, that playing the middle in bowl games was, I mean, that was that's something that if I do have the time again next year to do, I, I mean, I, I almost view it like day trading, that if you if you get in there at the right number and then watch these games trend, and like you were saying throughout the course of those games, and I'm speaking to the weatherman here, with the exception of a couple of games, um, you could tell within the first couple of series what was going to happen. Alabama-Oklahoma was a big surprise from the way that it started versus the way that Oklahoma was able to get back into it. If I'm not mistaken, was it Memphis-Wake Forest where Memphis had a big lead? And then Wake Forest came back, and I felt like there might have been another one. But otherwise, a Penn State, Kentucky had that also. But, yeah, we but had other Penn State, than that, Kentucky, I, I got LSU Central Florida because we middled that one on the over. I mean, there, there are a whole bunch of them there, especially towards the end. But the, but for the most part, you got a good read very early on, and then the numbers shifted huge. And then no matter what, worst case scenario, you're, you're losing juice, or you could double your money. And it's just that's that's really a profitable real profitable spot because as the weatherman was saying he just doesn't think the software can keep up with it and so there's an edge there and that's where you can that's where you can really make some money that live betting you know certainly it's 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 got its risk don't get me wrong it's not like it's a sure bet but if you now you can watch these games and see certain things that you know just a couple of years ago people didn't have access to it's a different world, and that's that's why it doesn't surprise me that you've been trending up over the last few years. G Unit, I uh, stepped on you there. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask the weatherman what he thought about the money line in this game because what we've got it at is, uh, or the our site's got the Patriots minus two and a half, but you're play, paying some extra big at minus one twenty, but the money line is minus one thirty, and I kind of like Patriots money line on that. Yeah, I, I think it's probably one of those where if you like either team, just play the money line. You get a little, you get a few more shekels if the Rams hit, and it doesn't cost you that much more with the Patriots. And hey, I was just also going to add though one last thing about the money line, or, or rather about in-game wagering. About 25 years ago, I was a blackjack dealer on a Native American reservation, and so to pass the time, I would keep the count. If he tipped me well, I would actually tell you what the card count was. On and so you're always looking for edges and advantages. Where you can get in on this, on the live wagering is, imagine if you got to sit down at a table and play blackjack where if the number was a certain way, if you hit 22 or 23, your hand was still good. Or if it hit another way where if the dealer got a 20, that was a bust. That's how you have to look at this. It doesn't mean that you're going to win every time or you're going to get a middle every time. But you can play like these hands with incredible advantage, depending on, on, on however it sorts itself out. Like that Penn State-Kentucky game that, that, that we were talking about over New Year's, Tim, was because what, what was it, Penn State like plus 18 for a while there? I mean, yeah. that, was, that was an easy play to make after – the key, again, is to, to be on the right side from the start. Yes. But even if you're not, you can generally find a way to get it back to where you're only losing the juice. And then otherwise, you're going to be looking at a double. I mean, uh, Missouri-Oklahoma State was the same way. So yeah, you have boy, to figure out where week. are the spots where, almost like a blackjack player, where instead of winning 48% of your hands, ooh, if I do this, I could win 57%. doesn't mean you're going to, but it just makes it more likely. And that's the difference between being a winning player and not being winning. Yep, those little edges, they add up over the course of what we did here for for five months. Weatherman, I know you have uh, other business to tend to, so uh, we wanted to make sure we had you on the program and get your, really, I want to get your thought process and how you gathered your information and, 
and uh, to convey that you have a, a, a track record here of a, of a method that has been working, and it's been working more than just for one year. And I think I speak on the on the behalf of a number of people. Uh, thank you for what you did throughout the course of the season. You made a lot of people a lot of money, and we are certainly looking forward to having you rejoin us when we start pick six up back in uh, in about uh, six and a half months, sir. Yeah, I'm not going to be like Belichick where I'll start doing my research next week. But, yeah, I'm excited for June and July to kind of see where this goes because now I feel like the expectations are out there because I'm going to be yeah, like, well, we I got to have some expectations. Again. That's hard yeah, to do, gonna... though. It is tough. Yeah, sixty-two percent sick. If we if we did sixty percent, I would be I would consider that to be a mathematical outlier. Uh, weatherman, ladies and gentlemen, there he is. Thank you so much for the time, sir. Hey, stay warm. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Thanks for weatherman. weatherman. There he is, the mysterious weatherman who. Uh, all in went uh, probably better than 62% because I'm sure my record probably weighed him down a little bit when I was doing it on my own for the first few weeks. But at the very least, he went 62% this year, and uh, and it sounds like he's trending up overall since he's done this the last couple of years. So he likes the under in the first quarter of 10.5. He likes the over in the third quarter. And overall, his favorite play, Patriots, more first downs than the Rams. I guess for the purpose of our contest, even though the contest is over, I will make my pick on my own. I really do like the Patriots in this game. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I realize perhaps some of that's colored by the fact that I don't want the Rams to win. But I think I, I don't, I don't, I'd like to think that I that take that out of the equation on it. I just, I mean, the, the the Rams don't belong in this game. And I realize with what the the New Orleans, you know, Saints and reporters and fans have done have made it a little more than than it does than it you know they've lost some sympathy with how much they've made a big deal of the call um but that that the saints dominated that football game on top of it they just didn't convert when they had opportunities but they dominated that football game i'm just not sold on it and i just get with belichick with two weeks i just think they win this game and i and if i didn't have emotional attachment to it um on the Rams and wanting them to lose, I would actually bet the Patriots. I like them that much. Uh, the weatherman does not share that opinion, but uh, that is my opinion. So for the purpose of our one pick this week, my official pick will be the Patriots plus two and a half, just so we can finish off the season and have an official uh, record. Uh, G unit, you are next up on the T. What are you thinking? Uh, my official, I agree with you on the Patriots. That's not going to be my official pick. Um, but yeah, I, I just I, and that's what's kind of scary because I can't see them losing. And when you can't see a team losing, yeah. they always lose. I, and I, um, and I, but I think it's going to be a great game. I like the under too. Uh, I think that um, I think if you look at the Rams' last few games uh, in in the playoffs, the Saints and in the and the Cowboys, that that it's just a slow game. The clock just seems to to really tick by. They 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 just eat it up, mainly because there's so so much uh, so much ground game, and there's a lot of balls passed in bounds. So I, I I do like the under, but it could be a Chiefs situation where it just gets out of control late. The fourth quarter in these playoff games scare the shit out of me. But my pick, my actual lock pick, not a super double, but just a lock. Uh, Tom Brady longest pass completion over thirty six and a half yards. Wow! And I say this knowing that he hasn't gone uh, over thirty six and a half in his last four games. Um, but 
before that, he had six games in a row where he was well over that mark. And I, I, I think that I mean, obviously you only need one play there, um, and there's going to be a lot of dump passes to James White. We know that He'll probably get a good dozen completions to James White, which, by the way, over five and a half on that. I, I love the James White props. So do I. Yeah, James White. I think James Receiving White. Receiving props. Yeah, he's going to go off, uh, and all it takes is for him to break one, um, and, and then you get over 36 and a half. And then you always have a Belichick uh, trick play. Hopefully Brady's the one passing that ball, but that's yeah. always going downfield 50, 60 yards. And then you know that he's hitting uh, Gronk once or twice, uh, and that's always going downfield 20 yards. So if Gronk breaks a tackle, which he does less and less these days, then you get it there. So over 36 and a half yards in the Super Bowl, I think is a great bet. If it was last week, I, I wouldn't bet it because I, I think that the play calling in the Super Bowl is a little bit different. So G Unit is in on the over on Brady pass of 36 and a half. Uh, G Unit is. In. Producer Joe, you with our final pick for the 2018-2019 Pick 6 podcast here on the Tim McKernan Show. Uh, I like the I like the, the Patriots in two and a half like Tim does a lot. Um, I like uh, Tom Brady over 25 and a half completions in this game. Really like that one. But my lock pick is actually going to be James White rushing yards. Uh, longest run from scrimmage. <laughs> Joe, Joe come on. Yep. James White over six and a half yards from scrimmage being his longest run of the game. Listen, Belichick's had two weeks to prepare. He's going to throw a couple of different wrinkles at them. Yes, you're expecting James White to catch a whole bunch of balls. But I do like him over six and a half yards as his longest rush. How many James total? White gets the call from producer Joe. <laughs> what, what's the total on the the James White rushing yards prop? Uh, uh, seventeen and a half. Total right now is seven seventeen and a half. Wow! So Vegas is predicting that that he's going to have seventeen or eighteen yards, and and you're saying that he, his one of them is going to be over seven yards. Uh, well, over six and a half yards. Yeah. So if I get the seven, I win, baby. Wow. Well, producer Joe's in. We'll see how it finishes off. Producer Joe, what are, what are the records at this moment, uh, Gangster Pete? I mean, I know uh, mine. But... Joe's 53 and 58. Unit is 53 and 55. Ah, that's a shame. We were all on pace to finish above 500. That's why I think we should get two picks this week. Well, I mean, when we set the well, rules, I, we can't change the rules we go just because it's inconvenient. Well, no, it's you not. There's no money. No, there, it's not for any money. It's just no, for. No, I understand. I understand. It's mainly yeah, for unit but, I mean, to we get set to 50%. The rules and, you know, now, now it's like, uh, you know. I mean, make, make all the picks you want. Because I like punts over seven and a half, too. Total punts in the game. Total punts over seven and a half. That, <laughs> you know, that is a fun prop to, to make. If if I'm sure you, I say if you've ever done that before. No, no one's ever bet on the, the total punts in the game. But it's fun, especially with a Belichick uh, coach game, because you never know what the hell he's going to do. I mean, yeah. sometimes he goes for it on fourth and two on his own 40. I think I would go under on that one, but I don't know. All I know, because I really legitimately do not want the Rams to win, it won't ruin my life like I think it will for – not ruin my life, that's obviously an example. But it won't, like, destroy me like I think it will, like, for some St. Louisans, even some people in the St. Louis media. Um, but 
I, I legitimately do not want them to win. So I actually have skin in the game. It'll be the first time I'm watching a Super Bowl since the Rams played the Patriots, and I was there in 2002 at the Superdome, that I will have an emotional, like, like truly be pulling for a team. And I didn't realize how much I cared until I was watching the Saints and Rams a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, wow, I really want the Rams to lose this game. And even if I, if that play would have been the other way around, and let's say it was Lattimore on Brandon Cooks and they didn't call it, I would be going bad crap about that. I feel like the Saints and New Orleans fans have lost some of the sympathy from the public because of the you know, the congressman bringing it to the floor and, you know, the the, the billboards and all of that. Um, but for my money, and this is the first time we're all talking since that play happened. Uh, I, I asked this on Twitter right when it happened because I was curious. And, I, and, and the Chiefs were playing the Patriots at the time, and I didn't want to upset that hornet's nest of insecurity on the other side of the state, so I didn't bring <laughs> up 1985. But I was legitimately curious of another play in a game of that magnitude at a moment of that magnitude that compares in our lifetimes. And we're all around 40. Um, and, and what people were sending in went back to 1985 with the Cardinals and Royals and Dankinger. People brought up Ohio state, Miami with the phantom pass interference at the end of, a of that one in overtime. That was, that was um, yeah, 2003, right, Joe? And uh, I felt like there was another one. People brought up Armando Galarraga in the perfect game, obviously an individual achievement. Certainly, though, I mean, a momentous moment. It wasn't a championship game or anything like that. It was a random regular season day game with the Tigers. And then I felt like there was another one that got brought up that I didn't. People bring up the the replacement refs game with the Packers and the, and the, the, the Seahawks. Seahawks. And there's no question it was a botched play, but it wasn't a championship game. But then some Packers fans go, well, if it was called the right way, the Packers would have gotten the playoffs. And I get it, but it wasn't a championship game at the time. I just, to me, it's not, again, it's opinion, but from my standpoint, it isn't, you know, in the same category as just something that truly did cost the Saints a Super Bowl appearance unless they fumble a snap. I mean, that's that's where it is. Anything stand out to, to you guys? No, nobody else brought up Kirby Smart taking a punt against Alabama. No, that seemed like that was your own personal thing. Uh, yeah. That I guess is is this going to be something that's going to live with you for you know forever? What? You know, you know what that didn't come up, and I don't know if it necessarily becomes an absolute that one way or another. But now with the technology in baseball, I think it may have been a little bit different. But that little fuck Jeffrey Mayer uh, reaching over and grabbing Jeter's home run. Uh, in the 96, uh, what was that, was that, like 96 NLD or ALDS, I guess? Yeah, I think it was 97 because I was in college. But, um, I, I mean, that had a, a momentous you know, swing, but it was still a, a game in a series as opposed to the defining game at the very end and what's going to happen. But it, uh, it was a big one, and technology, I think, probably reverses the call at this point. But... You know, it, it, it still would have been a judgment either way, and that one was not a judgment. That was just a bad call. Yeah. Do you have anything uh, stand out to you in your lifetime that, that, that compares with 1985 and the the missed pass interference call in the NFC Championship game? It, in the, uh, the sporting event? But, but, but what do you, <laughs> decide an election or something <laughs> like that? Would you like to discuss Watergate? I don't know what, what – 
What, uh, did you feel like Abigail Mack was robbed just like I did at the AVNs? Where, where are we going? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know where I was going with that. You know, I, don't, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 um, I was actually just looking at this uh, margin of victory prop. At, at, uh, but I'll, I'll... Oh, sorry, sorry to distract you. <laughs> uh, Joe was on fucking mute for like three minutes, and then I, I bother you, and you're looking at prop bets. That's fine. Well, I'm sorry know, to bore you. That, yeah, I didn't mind you. Uh, I mute mine so that I don't step on anybody's toes, but it's also a very easy thing for Pete to edit out so no one actually knows I was. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of uh, that Saints. The thing about the Saints uh, missed call was that it was two calls. It's tough to miss two calls, in the, the helmet-to-helmet and the pass interference. I mean, he could have called either one of them. <laughs> and he just blew it. And the way yeah, the I Saints didn't see lost the, I, I mean, I, I've now seen the helmet to helmet, but I didn't. The, the, what I was focused on at the time was passive, and I and it was so obvious that I was wondering, okay, maybe something happened. And I guess they they told one of the players, an official, told them that that the ball was tipped. It's just it it, it really does bother me, and I realize in, within St. Louis, and you're saying it, it, it obviously can come off because it's the Rams, and you hate the Rams, and you don't want them to win, but. That could have been, you know, two teams I have zero emotional attachment to. And it's, if it, if a group of people work their asses off for something and then they just get absolutely fucked just on, feel on dirty. something that yeah, I mean, it, it, it just it just it bothers me. So, like I said, if that would have gone against the Rams, I would have felt badly for the players and the coaches. I would have felt like it was karmic justice for the organization. Uh, but it still would be like, okay, the Saints don't belong in this game. And then from a process standpoint regarding my pick, I just the, the Saints dominated that game. They just did not convert multiple red zone opportunities. And uh, to, to Goff's credit, I mean, there were a couple pass plays in particular to Gerald Everett, and then there was one where I think he escaped a, a sack and rolled out, and, uh, and I think he either hit Gurley or Anderson on a receiver in the flat back in the flat but either way i just you know i just i feel like with two weeks with belichick i just think that this it, we'll see i mean it'll be great you get to see the new versus the old belichick and brady against golf and mcveigh and Gurley and cooks and that whole operation i will just be emotionally invested like crazy and and hoping that the uh the patriots win which is phenomenal that is a st louis and many people feel that way for something that was truly, in my opinion, the beginning of this whole thing. It comes full circle. I still believe that if the Rams beat the Patriots, they don't move. I know that people go, how do you, but it's, it's, a, it's a butterfly effect. There are so many different things that I think happen uh, if they win that game that I don't think that they move. And it's just, it's, Martz doesn't lose his mind. The team doesn't have the 2002 that they have. That doesn't mean, that means Kurt Warner never leaves. Uh, all of these domino effect things and then the organization uh, is in a different spot in the city and the region giving them money and work together and I just don't think it happens so maybe I'm wrong on that but do you think if they win that game March doesn't act like a pussy in the 2003 NFC playoffs and not play for the win and play for the tie and then you have Seahorn getting blown by by Steve Smith um again it's butterfly effect so all of those things change but if if they do win and then we can just draw a parallel to that decision i would agree with your premise that he does not play scared that was one of i cite that all the time that i was standing on the field at the dome when he decided to kick the field goal to tie it as opposed to go for the jugular and end the panthers when they had the chance when they were on their heels and then they uh, would have gone and uh, what well, I guess they would have gone and played the Eagles in Philadelphia and the Panthers went and played the Eagles in 
Philadelphia. But the Rams lost to the Lions in Week 17 of that year, and the Lions were, like, terrible. And the Rams lost home field advantage uh, throughout the playoffs, but it didn't matter once they lost to the Panthers. But either way, just in general, I just think that that changes the whole discussion in St. Louis. So now, 17 years later, I would imagine... I mean, 90, I mean, you have all these people saying they're not going to watch it, and maybe some of those people will really not watch it, but for the most part, people will watch it. And uh, and I would imagine most people will go, oh, my God, I can't believe it, how much I want to see the Rams lose. Now, I happen to be somebody I enjoy, as I said a couple weeks ago, I like seeing the Patriots. I like seeing Duke, Alabama, Yankees, you know, whatever. I like seeing those powerhouses so I, it's easy for me to pull for the Patriots anyway. But uh, for St. Louisans, totally different ball game. But I would imagine the vast majority will be pulling for the Patriots. And if they don't, they will have regretted it when they see Stan Kroenke lift up the Lombardi trophy. Um, and, I, and you know, because he, from my standpoint, when he was accepting the Hallis trophy, um, you know, to go out of his way to thank the Los Angeles fans my opinion that was going out of his way to be passive aggressive towards the St. Louis fans. Um, I would imagine he will say something that will piss St. Louis fans off if he does get that opportunity on uh, on Sunday. So it's easy for me to be pulling for the Patriots. I would have been pulling for the Patriots anyway. I might have been pulling for the Patriots against the Saints to show you how weird I am about that stuff. Not that I dislike the Saints. I just like seeing... It we'll just we'll never see anything like what the Patriots have done over the last eighteen years. So that's why I have an appreciation for it. You, so. you know, speaking of of uh, their dominance and what Brady's done, how about so the same goofball that was guilty of that non uh, call started talking shit this week about Brady? I mean, giving him bulletin board material. I mean, it's crazy. Yep. It's just yeah. crazy. I mean, I, I, and he's going to go at him. Brady's going to go at him. I mean, it's it's going to. He's just, he's just so good, so good. I, I maybe I'm all. And like I said, if 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 I had zero emotional investment in this game, I would be going heavy on the Patriots. But keep in mind, the reason why we went 62 percent against the spread this year had nothing to do with me. So uh, you know, if anything, fade. If anything, people might be going, "Oh my God, the Rams are going to cover because Tim's on the Patriots." But I really like the Patriots in this game, and. Uh, you know, maybe maybe I will be proven wrong. I certainly hope not because I really don't want to see the Rams win. Boys, that wraps it up. Uh, Gangster Pete, credit to you for uh, coming up with the idea for the Pick 6 podcast. A tip of the cap to the weatherman for making the Pick 6 podcast relevant with his uh, heater that he went on for like nine weeks. And uh, Producer Joe and G-Unit, I looked forward to it every week. It was uh, entertaining and uh, at times informative, and uh, and I appreciate all the audience and all of the sponsors for being a part of it as well. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, Johnny Landoff of Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, and Mike Judy of MikeJudyPresents.com, our sponsors on the Pick 6 podcast. Uh, Producer Joe, thank you, sir. Goodbye. There he goes, Later, Producer Joe. Joe. You'll hear him again in August or when he's texting me complaining about Iggy. And G-Unit, I think you are a, uh, a delight and a rising star in this podcast world. <laughs> the people loved their fade G-Unit T-shirts that uh, Seth Goldcamp and the good people at Design Air Heating and Cooling created. Yeah, good old Seth Goldcamp. 
Seth, I, I, I hope I impressed you with my uh, my end of the year push. Uh, you did you did mount a little charge. I mean, producer Joe certainly played a larger role in it, but either way. Uh, enjoyed the podcast, boys. I really did. And we will be back with more of it coming up when football season rolls around. Uh, in the meantime, thank you so much to all of our sponsors, to all of our listeners, and our producers, Iggy Strode and Gangster Pete, for putting it together each week. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been the final edition of the 2018-2019 Pick 6 podcast on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.